can be seated. If you want to take out your Bible and read along as we read our, our scripture text, is going to be a shorter one tonight. We'll be uh, looking in Colossians chapter 1. I'm going to read verses 12, 13, and 14, and then we're going to pray. Um, in, uh, in, in connection with, with what I'm about to say, I, I enjoy uh, when we take something familiar, like a, a Christmas song, and we just change it just a little bit, you know, um, and, and uh, the, the music just feels a little different, you know, and somehow just uh, it not being as traditional or, you know, the way we've always sung it, it somehow you, you can hear the lyrics almost as if they're new. At times, right? You know, when 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 what's familiar changes, um, everything that's familiar feels a little new, and that's uh, that's helpful. And I imagine it's it's difficult um, to to do that. Paul says this in Colossians chapter one. He's he's speaking about the Lord Jesus and his desires and his prayers for the Colossians. This is where we've been camping on, on Sunday morning in terms of our, our, our study. We've been moving through the book of Colossians, took a, took a break for, uh, for Christmas. But Paul prays for those in the city of Colossae, and he says, May you be strengthened with all power according to his glorious might, for all endurance and patience with joy, giving thanks to the Father who has qualified you to share in the inheritance of the saints in light. He has delivered us from the domain of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of his beloved Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. Let's pray, and we'll turn to God's word. Father, thank you for the opportunity to open your word we thank you for the opportunity to, to gather and for the ability to meet with friends and family and to eat together and celebrate and to enjoy and to give gifts. And we pray that as we do all of this, that you would remind and encourage and bring to memory over and over again a uh, a reminder and an encouraging refreshment as we consider that Christmas, the entering of, of Christ into our place of existence, Jesus taking on flesh is the beginning of our redemption. That, that this is not just the birth of, a, of an amazing teacher, although he was. This is not just the, uh, the birth of a, of a brave hero, although he was. This is not the, the, uh, the, the, the birth of, of somebody who is going to revolutionize things, although he did that. This is the fulfillment of your plan. This is when the Savior enters into the world, and he is the one who is going to fix our problem with sin and fix our broken relationship with you. We thank you for that. We pray that that would be in view when we consider that Messiah comes. He's the promise that all humanity, even if they don't realize it, has waited for. And so we thank you. We pray that you would remind us and teach us. We pray this in Jesus' name. 
Amen. Um, something that, that takes the pressure off just a little bit when it comes to uh, prepping to, to talk about Christmas is that uh, Paul says to Timothy in, in uh, one of the Timothy books, he says, uh, to remind them of these things, that, that, that what's important is not that, that Paul or Timothy or anybody who would preach the word would come up with brand new things constantly. Oh, here's a new fact that you've never heard. But instead that, that there would be a, a regular reminder. Um, because if the most important thing has already happened and we need to continually reflect on that, then we don't want to be always discovering new things or else we're going to neglect the main thing, Right. Um, there's an overlap with what happens in the Christmas season, particularly in my house. Um, I, I don't know how this, this works, but when we watch Christmas movies like A Christmas Story, uh, my wife laughs at the exact same parts every single time she watches it. I'm like, show me something new. You know, like, I want new Christmas movies. And then I watch the Hallmark Channel with her, and I'm like, forget the new Christmas movies. Like, they're, they're, there's nothing interesting or creative happening here at all. Um, in any case, I know people love them. Uh, but, but there's something about being reminded of a story. I turned on uh, It's a Wonderful Life today, and, and that was playing. It was colorized, which is a little weird. We were like, what's going on here? But, but there's this scene where George, what's her name, the girl? Mary, right? He goes to her house and he's like, like they're, they're either getting together or not getting together and they're waiting for the phone call to come through from the guy, the businessman. And I'm like, I turn and I look at Nancy. I'm like, why is he so nasty to her? Like, I forgot about that. What's the, how does that factor in to the, to the story, right? And, uh, and, and so then thinking through the story, sometimes when, we're, when we rehearse the story or we look at it again, we see New stuff, not because it's new, but it's new because we forgot. We, we don't make that connection. Um, and so it's good to rehearse it again and again. Um, when we leave behind some of the texts that we've already looked at, Luke, uh, the, the, the birth, we, we looked at that this past Sunday, and we we look at different places in the scripture over and over. The Bible answers the question of why Jesus came, why he took on flesh, why he entered into the world to be our savior. Uh, in the same way that we wrap up presents, in the same way that Mary wrapped him in swaddling cloths and placed him in the manger, uh, we, we, we can find the meaning to, uh, to, to this story to the accounts of Jesus, we can, we can find the answers that we're looking for wrapped up in the story of his incarnation and the, 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 the accounts that are given in the scriptures. Why did Jesus come? Why did he enter into the world that, that in the way that he said that he did? Um, scripture teaches in Ephesians 2, 8 and 9, it says that we're saved by grace through faith. And it's not from ourselves. It's the gift of God. It's not because of what we do so that no one can boast. God gives us this wonderful gift. And this is what gives us life. That, that, that God is graciously working in Christ. And so when we, we look at Colossians chapter 
1, verses 12 and 14, we, we see something about how Jesus enters into the world and what he entered into the world to do. Right? I was thinking today about uh, the doors in our house. We have, we have two main doors. There are two other, three other doors that we hardly ever use. You know, the dog uses one of the doors, honestly, you know, and nobody else really goes in or out of that unless we're grilling, right, you know, in the, in the summer. Uh, but we use the big door and the front door, right? And I guess if this comes from when my kids were little, I'll say, uh, close the big door, and that's the garage door, right? You know, the big door. Is the big door closed? Close the big door. And then there's the front door, right? And, and everything that happens in our life and in our home, right, it depends on people coming in and going out and things coming in and going out of those doors, right? The, the doors. So we were going to make a, a movie of, of Christmas, of, of, of the incarnation. We could say, why does, why does Jesus enter in to our house? Why does he enter into our life? Why does he come through the, the door? And when he does, what does, he, what does he, he do? In our house, guests come through the front door. If you ring the doorbell, like, you don't know anything about the way our house works, right? Like, uh, people who are our family, who live there, they know. Like, they, you either, you click the button or you punch in the code, and the garage door opens, and that's the way you come in. And groceries come in that way. Like, you know, every, only the UPS guy and people who don't, like, routinely come to our house use the front door. Jesus enters not as a, he doesn't come into the world as a guest, right? He comes into the world not to just visit and take on humanity for a time and then leave and go back to doing whatever God does all the time, right? He enters in to our condition, takes on humanity, becomes a human being, becomes acquainted with our sorrows and our struggles. The, the scriptures say he's made like us in all ways, except without sin. He's able to sympathize with our weaknesses. He becomes like us. He comes here to become like us and to stay like us. Why does he do that? Why does he, why does he enter into our lives? First, he enters the, the doorway of our lives. He enters into the world to qualify us. Now, if you know about sports competitions, you're involved in anything competitive, right? You know, they usually don't allow walk-ons. Like, you can't just show up at the Olympics. I can't just show up and say, like, I want to be in the high jump this year. Like, you got to qualify. They want to know who you are. They want to know, are you capable? Because I'd be, like, run at that pole, I'd jump. I'd probably, like, soar under it, you know? <laughs> In the high jump, um, you got to qualify. You must meet certain criteria. When when we accept the Lord, we say we say I want to identify. When we when we put our faith and trust in Him, we say I want to identify fully with You. I'm going to renounce all other gods. I'm going to renounce sinfulness. I'm going to renounce my own ways because I only want You. We we commit to Him. But he enters into the world to commit to us. He takes on flesh to be like us so that, so that he can be tested and 
tempted so that he can uh, go through all the experiences and the difficulties that, that we go through so that he can be like us and then take our place on the cross. Because he's like us, he's able to go through our experiences and then when he goes to the cross and having lived a righteous life, dies our death and takes our penalty upon himself, he's then able to look out at us and having, uh, ha- having, having lived our existence, because he's like us, he's able to convey his righteousness to us because we're like him and he is like us. Ephesians 2 uh, Four says that God does this because of his great love for us, because he's rich in mercy and he makes us alive together with Christ even when we were dead in transgressions because he takes on a life like ours. He, he takes his perfect life and, and adds it to a human life. We who are spiritually dead are able to be made alive through him. Uh, he, he qualifies us because he enters into our existence and lives like us. When we trust in him, we're trusting that, that he is saying, I have lived like you, I have taken your place, I was like you, and because you've put your faith and trust in me, I, I, have, I have given you my righteousness. I've gone in your, I, I've gone in your place. Right, every now and again, I'll look over my youngest's math homework and I'll see something that's wrong and I'll just change it. You know, I'll just fix it. We've gone through it, we've reviewed it. I'm just like, I'm gonna make sure that he gets his last point, you know? Like, or, or we'll work on a project and he'll plan it and we'll, we'll be working through it and it'll be past bedtime and I'm like, go to bed, you know, I'm gonna put the finishing touches on it, right? We do that. We did it for you. We did it for you. Yeah. You know, and, 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 and part of it is, is you know, that, that we have skills and abilities as adults that kids don't have, right? You know, we have planning capabilities, and they're learning this stuff. But, man, you know, we, 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 they just can't be expected to live or to, to perform on the level of adults at their age. They're learning. And so we help them. We, we do it for them. We jump in and we, uh, we, we pitch in and we help them with their tasks that are too big for themselves. Being righteous and holy will fail that test every single time. Unless Christ takes the test for us, unless he steps in and finishes the work. And by finish, I don't mean like changes one answer on the test. I mean, provides all the answers on the test. Like he's got to do it all because we can't do it. So he qualifies us. Second, he, he claims us. He enters in through the door to, to claim us and to say, you are my own. It says here that we've been qualified to share in the inheritance of God's kingdom. We've been, we've been qualified to be part of his kingdom. It's not just that he gives us his righteousness and then says, go on on your own existence, do whatever you want. He makes us part of his family, part of his plan. 
because he claims us. Imagine, I'm not going to go there. All right, so I got this app that Nancy had, and we do this, maybe you don't know that we're competing, but, um, (laughs) you know, every now and again, she'll get an app, and she'll say, I'm using this thing, and I'm like, oh, okay, how much, like, how many points do you have, or whatever, right? This app, CoinOut, right? Um, CoinOut, I'll clue you guys into this, you can scan your receipts, and yes, someone is collecting data, putting it on a computer somewhere, and like, you know, profiling you or something, so like, understand that but you 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 go to the supermarket and you scan your receipt when you're done and they will like give you a couple of cents back right they'll give you some money now i'm testing it because i want to see like will they actually give me the money at some point i'm at like a buck 75 where are you at oh gosh. <laughs> um, so 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 right uh the the thing is like you got to get to like ten dollars before they'll give you any money right and I've been, I've scanned like, I don't know, 30, 40 receipts, and you know, it's three cents, but it's money, it's free, right? Well, I, I, I want it all, right? You know, if somebody's gonna give me coins, then I want as many as I can. So I'm standing there in the line today at Food Lion, I just ran in real quick to get something, and I look, and there underneath this woman's foot, in the other, on the other side of the lane is a receipt somebody else's receipt, right? Not a, not a receipt of mine. And so she, I'm just standing there waiting, you know, and I'm like, I'm, I'm trying to keep my attention over here so that the person doesn't think, who is this guy who can't carry on a conversation? How are you? I'm fine. Are you already done with Christmas shot? Yes, we're all done. You know, like family's over and I'm watching and watching. And she pulls up her foot and I like step like this and put my foot on it and I like, I pull the receipt over to myself, right? Pick it up. Mine. I think I got 13 cents on that receipt because it was from Lowe's or something at Food Lion. It's amazing, right? You are lost, receipt. Nobody cares about you, right? Like you are not important. You are not significant. But I look at it and I think I want that. It's mine. It's in my jacket pocket. Like I, I, I curl them all up and do this nice little... A little pile, and I put them in a box in a closet, you know, and I've got all my receipts and things from 2019. There they are. They're all together. These are mine, right? The Lord Jesus looks at us discarded, broken, no value in us, right? The scriptures, Paul says, I know that in me dwells no good thing, but Jesus says, I love that. I love you. I love her. I love him. I want you to be part of my kingdom. And so he qualifies us to be part of what it is that he's doing, to be part of his family, to be, to be brought in to what he's doing forever. Because we have value to him. I, uh, I just showed uh, my nieces and nephews and uh, my sister-in-law, my brother, my office, and I hung up like these 10 or 15 comic books in there. I don't remember how it is, how many it is. And my dad asked me, he said, what do comic books sell for right now? And the answer to that is whatever someone is willing to pay, right? Like uh, two or three years ago, nobody in the world knew what the Infinity Gauntlet is, right? You know, this thing that's in all these Marvel movies. I have the first comic, Infinity Gauntlet. I have it. 
it was worth nothing three years ago. Now it's worth something. Because people are like, oh yeah, the movies. They all saw it and I can put it on the internet. Some rich kid is going to like grab his dad's credit card and give me a bunch of money for it. Right? High five. (laughs) Because value isn't in the thing. Things don't have value. Value is in the mind of the one who wants to own. And so Jesus looks to us, the Father looks to us, and he says, I want you to be part of what I'm doing. In order to do that, in order to claim us, he has to become a human being because he's got to stand in our place. He's got to take on flesh. I'm getting ahead of myself because there is no way that God can be just and let sins go unpunished. Because wrong's not wrong unless wrong is punishable. And so, in order for him to qualify us and claim us, there has to be a plan to pay for sin. The, the third reason that he enters into our life, why he, while he enters into our human life, uh, first, he enters in to qualify us. Second, he enters in to claim us. Third, he enters in to rescue us. The scripture says he's rescued us from the dominion of darkness and brought us into the kingdom of his beloved son, speaking of the work of the father. The, the son, the Lord Jesus, enters in to rescue us from darkness because when we sin against the Lord, when we sin in our actions or we sin by not doing things which he, he says, this is how I want you to live, we break fellowship with him. He's the source of light. He's the source of truth and blessing and every good thing. And when we, we break fellowship with him, we leave that all behind. We, we become uh, dominated by our, our fleshly desires. We fall underneath the, uh, the control of, of the devil who's called the prince of darkness. And we wander. The scriptures talk about how, how God is calling to the Gentiles in the book of Acts who are wandering and groping about. Like the, the images of, of them feeling their way in the darkness as if they might find God. That's the way the book of Acts puts it, that they, they're wandering in the darkness, searching for something. Have you ever tried? I mean, like if you leave your phone somewhere on the charger. Isn't it interesting we all carry flashlights now? Like if you have a phone, like I, I didn't carry a flashlight like my whole life, but it's ultra useful, right? You know, you can just, you can wander almost anywhere. You're out somewhere in the dark and you have a flashlight with you constantly. There are times where I'm like, looking for something and I realize I don't have my phone and I've wandered somewhere in the house, like one of our closets or I'm in the attic and the light's not on. And I'm like, I'm going to fall through the floorboards and land in the garage. Right. You know, and that's going to be it. They'll find me in, you know, six hours. It's, we need light. We need it. Without light, we are lost. And so because we're in darkness, Because we've wandered far from the Lord, Jesus enters into our existence to rescue us. 
He comes in to snatch us, to pick us up and to bring us over into his kingdom. He comes to to break us out of prison, not a prison that we're imprisoned in wrongly, but a prison that in some sense we've created for ourselves uh, in another sense that, that others have created for us, that, that we have learned patterns of behavior. We've, we've picked up ways of protecting ourselves, you know, ways of being tough or ways of trying to be impressive. Or, uh, we, we've, we've absorbed all these things from people around us so that we can try to fill or hide our inadequacies or our failures or, or cover our sins. You know what? We do all that, we're still in prison. We still need someone to turn the lights on, come and unlock the door, throw it open and bring us out. Uh, There's a a great song, uh, Amazing Love, by a Wesley brother, right? Am I right? Yeah, Amazing Love, where where, uh, the the image is that that, um, the dungeon fills with light as this, this prisoner becomes spiritually aware that he's trapped and the, the dungeon flames with light, the door is thrown open, the chains fall off and he's able to walk free. Because of what? Because of, of some spiritual epiphany or because Jesus does the work for us, right? When he dies on the cross, what happens? The, the veil that separates uh, God from the people in the temple is torn, right? The, the, the barrier is taken away. Jesus is, is called uh, the mediator between God and man. He's the one who builds the bridge. He's called the door, right? He's, he's the ladder that Jacob sees, that, that angels descend and ascend on. He's the link between us. We don't, we don't become spiritually aware. We don't ever go anywhere and find ourselves, right? I went off in search of myself. You took yourself when you went in search of yourself. You know, you were there. No, what happens is that you, when you become spiritually alive, it's because Jesus finds you and rescues you. Why do the people in the lands of the Gentiles in the book of Matthew chapter 4, why do they rejoice? Because it says they were walking in darkness and they saw a great light. And that changes everything. Changes everything. He entered in to qualify us, to claim us, to rescue us. He enters in to redeem us. He comes to redeem us. Paul and others in the book of Hebrews point out that that all the sacrifices of the Old Testament, the, the, the lambs, the goats, the pigeons, all these things, that they can't ever substitute for humanity. We we. We have to have a savior who's like us. Somebody must be punished for our wrongdoing or else God can't hold anybody to account, right? That's the big thing. If you ever uh, had to, to work with a, a large group of people or you've, uh, you're raising kids, right? They can smell inconsistency, right? That's not fair. You know, they want everybody to be treated equally. They want... They want the the right punishments to be handed out across the board. They want everybody to get completely fair. They don't want one kid to get a bigger piece of cake than anyone else, right? 
You know, it's all got to be fair because they are watching. And God can't say this is a bad person and this is a good person and pick and choose. He has to be impartial. And so he sends Christ to take on flesh, to be the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world, to take our punishment upon himself, to to step in to our existence and be the one who can take the punishment. Because for him, having never sinned, his experience of death is dramatically different. For those of us who are fallen and who struggle and who've done wicked things and we've desired things that the Lord tells us, don't, don't go after that, right? When we meet death, you know what happens? We die. When someone who's perfect and who's never sinned encounters death, death dies. And he's then able to give us life. The book of Hebrews is, is amazing where it says, it says that, uh, that death was unable to hold him. We're saved on the, on the virtue of, of an indestructible life. He may have looked dead when he came off the cross and he was physically dead, but death can't hold him in the grave. He will come out. And that's why our resurrection life isn't going to end because it's his life given to us. It never expires. It never goes bad. Everything else has an expiration date on it. And so God demonstrates his love for us in this, Romans says. While we were still sinners, Christ died for us. He enters into the world to redeem us, to pay the price. He qualifies us. He claims us. He enters in to rescue us. But then he finishes the work. He takes our penalty So that when the accuser comes around and says, that person's a sinner and deserves punishment, no, punishment's already been paid. Punishment has been handled, and there's nothing remaining except grace. We we may think of of Christmas as, as just the simple, calm, Peace of, of Christmas night, right? In, in our house, there was always, when, when, when our boys were younger, there was always this feel of like, everyone's asleep and the pressure is off, you know? Like, and that was like the best moment of Christmas because they were going to wake up, right? You know, and come and start tearing through stuff. And then we had an entire day, you know, and, and family was coming and there were things to do. But this peaceful moment of rest, where everyone's asleep and everything's okay, right? We got enough tape, we got enough batteries, like everything's good, right? There's not going to be any pain or struggle for these next couple hours. We might, we might think of the, Jesus entering into the world like that. Like he enters in on this silent, perfect, calm night. And it's a, it's a good way to, to think of it. This is the birth of a child. This is the... the the, the entering of our, our Savior into our existence. But he enters in through, through the door to take on humanity, to become like us, to create a greater sense of calm. He, he silences the voices of accusation from the devil. He, he brings an answer to the accusations that we bring against ourselves, that I'm not good enough 
that's a good thing to think of. Like, I'm not good enough to earn God's favor. That's a good realization. None of us are. But Christ is good enough, and he loves us. And so he enters to silence that voice. And the fears and the worries that we may have about, I'm not, I'm not good enough, I've not been perfect enough, I've not been a good enough Christian. Gosh, I wish I could take that lie out of everybody's brain and just break it. Because I hear it so often, you can't be a good enough Christian, but you know what? His, his life is, cannot be tarnished or tainted or destroyed. And that means that your salvation is secure. And your life is going to last forever. So when he enters in and creates that calm and that peace, it's so much bigger than just what's going on there in Bethlehem when he's born. But that's the, the, the feel of it. And that's what we ought to, we ought to think of when we, when we review the, the story of what's happening. He comes to bring these blessings to us. He enters this world to, to, to qualify us, He enters the world to claim us. He enters to rescue us, and he enters to redeem us, to demonstrate his love for us and to provide an answer for the problem of sin. The angels said, Unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior. He is Christ the Lord. We're gonna, I'm gonna pray. We're gonna uh, have the band come up. We're gonna light. Uh, candles, but I want to. I want to think about the fact that you guys can come. All right. I, I realized I was like, "Come on up, band!" And then I, I was like, "No, but not yet." It's good. Um, the people who wandered in darkness saw a great light. But here's the amazing, good news of the gospel: is that Jesus doesn't keep the light to himself. While he is the light. He makes us light as well. I'll read scripture in just a moment. Um, Can we have the lights off as we begin to sing? I'm going to pray. Father, thank you that we can be here. We thank you that we can hear your word. Lord, I thank you that you entered into our existence and that you, you came to make it possible for us to have a relationship with you. And you claimed us. You came in to break open the prison and to bring us out. And you paid the price for us. Father, I pray that we wouldn't forget these things when we consider the good that you've done for us. And we consider the good of Christmas. I pray that we would, we would think upon these things. And that we would rejoice in the light. Because not only are you light, but you came to make us light that we might shine our light in a dying world. Lord, thank you for your goodness and your kindness toward us. We pray this in Jesus' name. Amen.